Hello and welcome back. This is attorney Alan Edmonds and we have an exciting podcast for you today. In fact, it's one of the most important podcasts that uh, people inquire about. And uh, I am going to share with you the uh, strategies and the pitfalls of appearing at a formal hearing for a security clearance. By way of a brief background, we started this discussion with security clearance appeals. And I spoke to you about the directive and the directive is the adjudicated guidelines. I told you that every agency has a set of directives. They're very similar and um, they are used to start the security clearance appeal process. They contain 13 guidelines, which are 13 different behaviors that an individual can transgress and get in problems. It could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be indebtedness, it could be uh, violation of secured spaces, failing to lock a skiff, it could be psychological. There are 13 guidelines, and we went over those. And uh, what happens is uh, once the government learns that you have committed a breach of behavior and uh, engaged in certain conduct, such as uh, criminal conduct or drug or alcohol conduct or domestic violence conduct, just to name a few. Once they find out about this, they investigate it, and it usually occurs at Fort Meade, and they issue you what's called a statement of reasons. And we've gone over the SOR, the statement of reasons, and how important that document is. So many people... Uh, misconstrue the SOR, they listen to friends or colleagues or even security officers that say, just write a short letter and you'll be good. And that's absolutely not the case. The responses to SOR are very important and you can actually win the conflict here, the case with a formal response. It doesn't happen often. Our law firm, the Edmonds Law Firm, uh, does indeed win several of these cases, and um, uh, we're happy to help you with that. Once the SOR response is filed in a timely manner, it is then considered uh, at Fort Meade at the uh, Consolidated Adjudication uh, Facility, which is now called uh, DCSA, and uh, they reach an opinion. They say, well, it's insufficient, or they write us a letter at the Edmonds Law Firm, and they say your response has been accepted, and the statement of reasons is uh, being withdrawn. So that's a happy day. People get upset when they find out they have to go to a hearing, but you should know that clearly uh, 70% of the cases uh, proceed to the hearing stage, and uh, it can be higher with certain guidelines, but that's a ballpark average. And it doesn't mean that your case is bad. And it doesn't mean the uh, end result is going to be negative. It just means you're going to go to a hearing. And uh, I encourage my clients to absolutely avail themselves of going to the hearings because the hearings are the best place to win these cases. And that's where 
our lawyers win most of them. And I've, I've said in other episodes, I want to say now, if you have questions, write them down during this podcast. Call me, Alan Edmonds, at 800-481-2526. I've been handling uh, security clearance cases for the military and civilian for over 45 years. And today's podcast on security clearance hearings, the formal hearing, very near and dear to my heart because I've done over 3,500 hearings, and that's important. When you walk into the courtroom, your stomach is going to shrink to the size of a pea, and you're going to say, what am I doing here? But it's too late. You made a decision. You listened to people that said you can do the hearing yourself, and you go to the hearing, and uh, perhaps you're not dressed right. Perhaps your evidence isn't properly documented. But you go to the hearing and you're in a courtroom and you realize this is hardball. And uh, the government attorney comes in with a smile on their face. And uh, two hours later, you are absolutely devastated. And uh, maybe you've been humiliated. Maybe you've been embarrassed. But it's too late. You went into the arena uh, by yourself and uh, you got uh, devastated and uh, The results are terrible. And then you ask, what am I going to do? So the best antidote for that experience, the best medicine I can give you is a true insight into the formal hearing that's conducted. And you should know that these hearings are conducted differently at different agencies. And some of them are very, very contentious. I think that uh, the most aggressive uh, hearings are at NSA. I think that some of the judges at Doha are very, very aggressive. Uh, Some judges I've seen uh, literally say from the bench to an applicant, uh, I don't believe you. And uh, this is not an arena that is shared by all agencies, that is to say the procedures, the treatment, and the behavior is not shared. It's often not friendly. And uh, so you should know that from the start. You should know what you're getting into. This is not an area where you should try and save some money and go in by yourself. And I say that as well about the response to SOR. I think 99% of uh, the people that receive an SOR have no business uh, trying to respond to their own SOR. They say too much. They make mistakes. They overlook opportunities. And uh, yes, they've saved uh, a couple of thousand bucks doing the uh, SOR response themselves, but they cost them their job. So how much is your job worth? And how much is your career worth? Because that's what we're really talking about. So to get to the hearing, you know that uh, there were pleadings, and a pleading is a fancy word for a statement of reasons, and then you did the response. The judge will have all of the pleadings in the case, which is the statement of reasons filed by the government or an agency, and they will have your response. And with your response, they will have any exhibits that the government has and exhibits that you filed. So 
That's what's in the file when you walk into the courtroom. And the judge has reviewed that. Now, at hearings, you will receive an uh, instruction from the judge. And it's a case management memo, which tells you when you have to file and where you have to file and to whom do you have to provide document copies to prior to the hearing. You violate that order, you have a problem. Uh, Certain agencies are very, very tough about filing deadlines. Some won't take any documents. And when you go to the Defense Office of Hearings and Appeals, you'll find a whole range of responses. Some judges are very, very difficult. Some judges are very lenient and understanding. And uh, the point is, you're not equipped at a hearing when you're a pro se, that means you're representing yourself, you're not equipped to respond on your feet to the questions and the situations that arise. And uh, you will be asked questions. It's called Vore Dyer about your background, initial general questions, and then they'll get into the evidence. And you'll be asked whether you have objections to the government evidence. The government will be asked if they have objections to your evidence. So now you're at the very inception of a hearing and you're wading into deep water. What are the objections to evidence? Do you know them? Well, that's going to come up. Once the evidence is dealt with at a formal hearing, the next step is the presentation of the actual evidence and hearings and the taking of testimony. And they treat pro se people that represent themselves as lawyers, because there's rules of evidence that apply and they do not throw those rules of evidence out. If you're not a lawyer, you are expected to conduct yourself in the same way as an attorney. There is some leniency, but you should know that, uh, They aren't there to hold your hand. They aren't there to help you articulate issues. And uh, they won't tell you what's needed for you to mitigate or defend against the allegations. They expect you to be able to argue your own case. So the presentation is really interesting because the government goes first and then the applicant and his attorney go second. And then the judge gets to take the applicant on a direct examination, which is questions and answers. Now, at agency hearings like the CIA or NSA, they conduct the hearings a little differently. They allow the applicant to talk, and then the applicant is made available. And this is even true at military upgrade hearings, discharge upgrade then the applicant is made available to the board members for questions. And as I've said, some agencies get very, very aggressive. And I've named uh, one in particular, NSA. And uh, it's, it can be very, very demeaning. Uh, some members have been removed from that board. Uh, and I've been going before all these agencies for years and years. And I'm amazed at the wide variety 
of treatment that uh, applicants have to endure at the hands of some of these agencies. Um, Department of Energy has its own set of judges and attorneys. Uh, Department uh, DOHA, Department of Office of Hearings and Appeals, have their own attorneys and judges. And um, so it varies. And if you're going into these different agencies, you better know what the rules are and the procedures. Now, I've spoken about judges. You have to understand that the judges at certain agencies are appointed federally. Um, They are lawyers and they have a variety of experiences. But what you should also know is they have a variety of prejudices. There are judges that uh, hate certain types of allegations and cases. And there are judges that are more lenient and understanding with certain types of allegations And unless you know the judge and unless you can prepare for that, then you are going to walk into a very difficult situation. The other issue at these formal hearings is the role of a government attorney. And I have been speaking to all of you for over a decade about government attorneys If you've listened to some of my YouTube videos, you'll know that uh, they are lawyers and they love it when they have a case against a pro se or a pro per. That means an individual that's not represented because they'll run right over you. Once the trial starts, the gloves go on and there's no uh, sentiment And there's no attempt by the government attorney to help you. The government has one goal, and that is to make sure you do not get your security clearance. So you're in there into this formal hearing, or you're appearing with a lawyer that's your best friend that's never done these, or you're appearing with a lawyer that's a divorce lawyer or a civil lawyer, and he's never done these cases. And you quickly realize he's not equipped to do the hearing, and neither would you be if you were by yourself as a pro se. The government attorneys will talk to you on the phone prior to the hearing. They'll be incredibly friendly. They will be soliciting information from you that they would never get from an attorney had you been represented. But you're going to talk to them because you're so fearful of what lies ahead you will try and be cooperative and in your cooperation, you'll give your case away and they'll learn things about you that they couldn't learn. And, um, they'll be very friendly and then you'll walk into the hearing and their persona changes. They become aggressive and mean spirited. And on the way out, they, they come up to you and want to shake your hands and they say, this is a classic statement. I hope you realize I had a job to do. And of course, that's their segue out of being disrespectful and mean-spirited to you in the courtroom. And I can't tell you the number of times I get phone calls from applicants that said, I thought I could do it, and I got humiliated and embarrassed, uh, 
and it just cost me my job and it was the worst experience of my life. So that's what this podcast is about. I don't want you to have the worst experience of your life. And you may not want to spend money, but if there's ever an occasion where the expenditure of funds is absolutely invaluable, it's when you're saving your career. Maybe you don't need money. Maybe you have another job lined up. That's a different set of facts. But if this job and this clearance and your career is important, then don't go into a hearing by yourself. So the government attorney is going to be aggressive in the hearing. He's going to be very friendly before the hearing, and you should be aware of that. The next hurdle that you have in these hearings is the presentation of evidence. And the evidence takes two forms. It can be documentary evidence, and it can be testimony. And you should know that some agencies do not allow witness testimony. Some agencies do allow you to bring in witnesses, and they can appear before the judge. And then it's up to you to take them on direct examination. The judge isn't going to do it for you. You've got to be prepared to question your witness and, of course, question them about relevant information that's going to rebut or mitigate the allegations in the SOR. Witnesses can be invaluable, but they can also be disastrous. And everybody wants to bring in their best friends and their relatives, and I personally won't allow it. I will not allow relatives to testify in most cases. Uh, There are exceptions, but everybody knows what a relative or a mom or dad is going to say at a hearing about you. So that's a wasted uh, experience. The documents that have to be prepared are very important, and they have to be marked, and they have to be offered into evidence. And the documents become incredibly important during closing argument. And yes, you're going to have to make a closing argument, a summary at the end of the case. So there's the hearing. There's the overview of a formal hearing. And I hope it has alerted you to some of the major issues. I'm available at 800-481-2526. Our firm has helped people, active duty and civilian, for over 46 years. We have clients around the globe because many of our civilian contractors deploy, our military members deploy. We do hearings with clients in different countries on a video uh, format. And uh, we prepare our clients accordingly for testimony, whether it is digital such as video on Microsoft Teams or Zoom, whatever platform the uh, agency uses or WebEx. We're familiar with all of them. Our attorneys are. We prepare our witnesses and we prepare our documentary evidence. And in most cases, our documentary evidence is between 20 to 40 uh, different documents. So that's the overview. Um, You will know that when the hearing is over, 
the final aspect of this podcast is that there is a opportunity called post hearing submissions and um, they are extremely important. They address issues that came up that were unexpected during your hearing. So this is attorney Alan Edmonds and I am delighted to share this information with you. There's no way that I could consolidate 46 years of litigation and trial experience into a podcast. And I didn't intend to do that now, but I intended to give you an overview that many of you don't have. Many of you don't appreciate the formality, the stress and uh, the environment of a formal hearing, whether it's in a courtroom or whether it's a hearing at one of the agencies and they all convene these hearings sometimes in conference rooms, and you sit across from a panel of anywhere uh, from three to six hearing officers. Some of them are attorneys. Some of them are department heads. So I hope I helped you. If you have questions, again, 800-481-2526. We have resources for you on our website, nationalsecurityclearances.com or alanedmonds.com, and we have a YouTube channel at Edmonds Law, as well as podcasts, and um, Spotify is the home of all of our podcasts, and then they are sent out to uh, Apple and Google and a variety of other uh, platforms. Thank you very much. There will be a another podcast uh published here every week. So come and listen to us. Thank you.